no. You're like a giraffe with a neck that's not strong enough. <laughs> Just <laughs> flopping all over the place. Thank you for that imagery, Josh. <laughs> I don't know how that makes me feel. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Silence. Silence. You were, sp- you were supposed to have this sort I of like it. snarky or... I did it once. And this creative I didn't think entry. about it. I, uh, All right, let's do it again. That's like a good... Oh, uh, I'm not prepared. You're not prepared? No. All right. Why don't we, why don't we try it? Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Hey, Metacasters. You are in for a rocky ride today. You're in for a roller coaster ride of agile delight. We're going to hit this bad boy, this puppy, out of the park today. This isn't like 70s disco radio. It's not? That's what it sounded like. <laughs> you weren't even rounding. How would you know what 70s disco radio? I've seen Staying Alive. Oh, I've seen Staying Alive. That just stopped me in my tracks. Did you Did you notice that? Uh, the, so that was two Metacasters. I apologize. There were two intros there. I yeah, because Josh failed on the first Well, time. you failed, and then I went back to the 70s. So maybe <laughs> You went back to your comfort zone. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I am. We should have a Metacast that does a flashback to the 70s and just oh. talk about the 70s. You know that? Sure. I can talk for like two minutes. Two minutes. You were like in the womb, but I was. I was actually... I was doing things. I was like, I had these really flashy, like plaid bell bottoms. Oh, nice! Oh, they were rocking. Was the whole pant leg plaid, or just the bell bottoms? No, no, no. The whole, the whole pants were. I had these like really bright red plaids, and the and then the bell started at my knee, and flared from there (laughs) down to my feet. I had white, uh, white uh, boots. Wow. With, uh, you know, like high-heeled boots, you know, the, yeah, yeah. White, and yeah. a white belt. So I had a white belt and white shoes uh, that, that matched. This is amazing. It's, and then I had those shirts that were made out of some man-made material. Like rayon or whatever. Rayon. It yeah. was very shiny mm-hmm. uh, that had printed, uh, like I had one with desert scenes with wolves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And then you would unbutton those sucker. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. You'd have to. I had that unbuttoned down to my belly button almost because you had to show. You had to show a little hair, right? That, that was. And I had some to show, right? I don't think I can recompose myself. <laughs> and you know what? You know what the cherry on top of this Sunday is. Come on, no. you can't guess. I, the hair. hair. The, the hair. hair. Guess yeah. what the hair was? Full afro. Full afro. Yeah. Full. What? What is it like a Jufro? They call it a, <laughs> a Jufro. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what was sticking in the hair? A pick. A pick. No. Yeah. I had a pick in the hair. Absolutely. Did you have glasses then? I did have glasses did? then. I looked like a big Q-tip with the, <laughs> with, with the, if you took a Q-tip and you put little <laughs> two little dots for eyes. <laughs> That that would be me, oh. and then you dressed it up accordingly, right? Well, yeah, you have to. You have to dress that little. That you have little to get a red up. plaid bell bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm sh- 
sure you're. I'm sure you know what you should. Oh, oh, ye of you know the the jest, the great jester over here. Talk to your father about oh, the seventies. Yeah. Well, Talk. there's some pictures of me in the eighties with shorts that were way too short. A half shirt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure I had a mullet. Oh, they, oh yeah. Oh, I would love to. See, I could yeah. see you at a mullet. Yeah. Oh, those mullets. And, and I never had a mullet. And tall socks with, with stripes on them. Oh, did you have the stripe action with those oh, yeah. really short shorts? Oh, yeah. Oh, you were styling. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> anyway, that's, we better move on. We Medi- should probably Medicasters, get... All right, so, so it's like an Etch-A-Sketch. Shake your heads <laughs> and get rid of all of that imagery, and we apologize for it. Did we clean it? Cool. Shake it again. <laughs> Yeah, double yeah. check. Shake it twice, please. Shake it twice to get both of those images out of, out of your edge of sketch. So what are we talking about today, So Josh? we're going to talk about coaching up. Um, one of the things I hear a lot of folks struggle with is oftentimes, and this isn't 100%, but oftentimes Agile is a grassroots effort, and it makes it only so far. And then you try and continue that adoption throughout the rest of the company, um, or it hits a hits a glass ceiling of sorts where executives aren't in support of it or some other person or maybe even your direct boss isn't buying in completely because as we talked about a couple medicasts ago agile leadership is something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot so there's not as many resources out there as getting a scrum team up and running there's a million blogs a million books a million videos a million companies that are ready to support you to make that happen right but what doesn't happen and we started to tackle last podcast was everything up above that so we talked about last time when you are the leader in ways that you can operate so now what we're going to talk about today is you're not the leader of leaders but you are a leader and you're trying to get your boss or their peers on board with agile because they aren't buying in they don't see the value whatever the myriad number of reasons are but the intent is hopefully to give folks some set of tools that they can start to chop down that tree so we can we can explore this a little bit um i was sharing a story before we started the metacast or maybe during the recording session but you will cut that yes i, I hope i got you covered um but i was i was talking about um sort of how hard it is to coach so coaching up is a nice concept and and we can talk about some of the tools and techniques but there's no silver bullet i guess what i'm trying to fumble with is uh, I was talking to someone this morning at breakfast, and he had a sordid tail, uh, and he was uh, because he he was struggling with coaching up to the point where right. it really caused him some problems on the job, and he was asking me as an experienced seasoned coach, you know, Bob, what's the what's the silver bullet answers? And I I really it actually came back to I, I and he was trying to say how do you sell to these people? It wasn't just coaching these people. Uh, but he he thinks he'd like to be a coach. Right. He's at a transition in his life where he'd like to become an agile coach. And he's like, well, how do you, you know, how do you find these people and how do you sell them? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't think you sell them. I don't think you coach them. I think you find them. I th- I, uh, I think leaders find who. Uh, so I think they find you. Uh, what I was alluding to is I think there's folks who have enough pain. Mm-hmm. Who are in a situation? Let's let's say there's a CTO or a VP of a startup or something, a mature startup, right? And they've read some things in Agile. Maybe they have some Agile experience, uh, not a lot, but right. they have some. And they see some things happening in their environment, uh, and then they 
they they commit to going. They for whatever reason it, it doesn't. I'm not selling them. They're selling themselves, and they reach out, and they reach out to to get a coach. Uh, they're self aware. Uh, they have achieved enough pain that they right. so, so enough. There's enough broken, very often quality. So I, you know, maybe fifty percent of the time, organizations are producing crappy software. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a compelling reason. They have pain, so they have open mindedness. They might have a lightweight bit of experience. They're willing to ask for help, and then you can help them. So they're coachable. Right. I guess is what I'm trying <clears throat> to say. Uh, but but I don't think you can coach the uncoachable. You have to, you need you need folks who are willing or open minded or something right. uh, in an organization. Now not everyone has to be that way, uh, but I think you need coachable folks. Uh, I mean, literally in my coaching or in my agile practice, I try to critique people to see if they are coachable, mm-hmm. if they are open minded, or if they have enough pain. Uh, or if they're excited, uh, maybe they have some agile experience. Occasionally, you come up on people like yourself, right. who I mean, you've asked me to help here at mm-hmm. the dude. Uh, that's a you know, you're, I don't have to sell you right. or coat. You're you're actually self aware enough to say, hey, I have I have a need in this in this particular area. Can you help me? So you're asking for help. So I don't I in my personal journey, I don't think I don't advertise to people. There's no magical advertisement that says, oh, they, then they start pulling in. Uh, I think it's people have to be coachable. All right, so I, I get that from an agile coach perspective as a consultant, but as someone in a company where somebody has said, we are going agile, and you are one of the people that's trying to make that transition happen from whatever to agile of whatever flavor, there undoubtedly is going to become a moment when the leaders in the company are not behaving as they should in an agile or organization. And oftentimes people are hesitant to go have the discussions that need to be had. Well, it does tie this coachability though, Josh. Right. I, I mean, so if, if I'm say you work for me right, and I'm going agile as lip service, right? Right. I'm just going agile because it's the sexy thing. And Josh, I want to get five times more crap out the door. Right. Right. And that's my goal. I may do the agile dance. I may shake the agile chicken bones at you or something. But at the end of the day, my heart is I don't really give a rat about agile. I don't right. give a rat about teams. I'm trying to get more stuff done. I don't even really care about quality so much. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not anti-quality, but it's all about productivity. You don't really want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for it. Right. I, right? I just want I, – damn it. I just want to, I want to get promoted right. to CTO. I want some money or whatever. I'm not a bad person. I, so I don't know how coachable I am, that person is. You can you can have a conversation with me, and I, and how coachable am I? And are you going to change my DNA? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't know. You can show me things. I, I feel like this, the Metacast is going awry. So let me come back to some constructive stuff. You can show me things, uh, demos. You can show me results. You've done a good job of that here, I think, mm-hmm. right? So you can hope that you, you can get me perky by showing me results. Um, and you can deliver software faster and deliver it with quality. So you can show me, you can meet my need and still, what, prevent yourself from shooting right. yourself in the foot. So you can play that game. Uh, you can point that out in a healthy way. Uh, you can send me to training. You can have guys like Bob Gamlin come in right. here. You can bring coaches in. Uh, and and it, over time, maybe I soften. 
over time, maybe I become self-aware. Over time, I start becoming more agile because the organization is out, is opting that way. So exposure, right. I think, is your friend. You can expose me to things. Um, but I, So um, aside from typical exposure points provided by the ceremonies within Agile and Scrum, um, sprint reviews, that's pretty much your showcase at that point. One of the things that um, I think folks, and including me, this is something I know that I'm working on getting better, is the internal marketing of who we are and what we're doing and how good it is from a from a, from a quality, a cadence, just everything of value that we're actually shipping is trying to continue to sell that beyond just the sprint review. Well, you can you can leverage. You know how I feel about the sprint reviews. I think they're I think they're much bigger than most people make them. Right. I think they can have organizational beyond just technology. I think they can have organizational implications. They can have transformation implications. They can get your CFO jazzed up. They can get your uh, VP of Sales mm-hmm. jazzed up. You can explain. You can use it as a uh, sort of a, a little you know sort you know a stage to talk about agile basics. Yeah. To people that are cross-functional, you know, the the uh, customer support group, etc. So I think you can really use the result stage and then the release. It's not just the sprints, but releases. If you have release events, you can do release reviews. So it's sprint demos and you can also do release demos. You can do quarterly demos. You can do retrospectives as well. So I'm a firm believer in doing release retros mm-hmm. organizationally. So those endpoints of demo and that endpoint of retrospective can be a powerful sort of organizational thing. Uh, one thing, they, as you were talking, so I've seen executives be really pushy. Mm-hmm. I remember Ryan. I'll pick on Ryan. Uh, was it? Oh, no. It was actually Scott, at channel, locally a channel advisor. And Scott had this idea, Scott Wingo. This mm-hmm. was years ago. He had this idea, like every CEO does. Oh, I, you know, this is a quick thing. This is a quick fix, right? And it's only going to cost me, you know, five people for a couple weeks, and we should be able to put it in the product. And he came to me as the, the chief technologist. He's like, Bob, just confirm this. Just tell me. I know what it's going to take. Just confirm it so that we can schedule it. And uh, what I did is I pulled a group of people into it. We did release planning. Mm-hmm. So basically we did a version of release planning, cross-functional, uh, to size the effort for his idea. And we pulled everyone into a room. And in about two hours, we put all these sticky notes up on a wall. Mm-hmm. And we talked about time. And this was customer support. This was at literally everyone. So this was documentation, customer support, marketing. Right. Uh, the guidance was we're, we're not trying to make it up, but we're trying to look at what is all the work necessary to get this idea out into our customers. It was a software as a service company. So what would it take to really push this out? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, um, I don't know, I think, as I recall, 80% of our, our organization, our teams, for like three releases or something like <laughs> that it would take. Um, and then we pulled Scott into the room. And... It was really hard. You know how so, like he was he was arguing the point with me in a hallway over a water cooler, but it's really hard. I realized at that point, maybe earlier, but at, at that point, I was like, you know, you can't argue if you've how can you argue with like fifty of your best people right. who tell you that it's going to cost you this? I can twist your arm privately in your office, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, Josh, you're full of crap. You need to I do this. How can you argue with 50? And you can't. 
So what I'm what I'm trying to say is, I think if you expose the masses of agile to leaders, mm-hmm. you're not coaching them individually. You're influencing them. They can, they can almost not fly, fight the tide. Do you know what I'm? It it almost becomes right. non-resistible. It's like shit. I've got to, you know, I can't refute it. Right. I can't, you know, the teams are going as fast as they can. The teams need to work on quality. What am I going to do? Can I stop them from working on quality? Right. I can't. I could influence Josh individually, privately, but I can't go on the record. I can't I can't do a newsletter that our stockholders see and say we're not going to focus on quality anymore. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is I think the power, it goes back to demo and retro. If you expose the power of the organization or the might or the, the momentum of the organization to the executive, I think that coaches them forward to get it, even if they're resistant. I mean, they almost have no choice. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. The the uh, mantra that I've always taken is, is we are doing the right things for the right reasons, and that wins in the end. Yeah. And, and, and then using the ceremonies that are provided to – expose as many people as possible to that and just like you do the the sprint reviews are often where i get a soapbox out or richard gets a soapbox out and we try and talk about a topic and educate people because with a rapidly growing company like we are the dude we've realized that things we said at sprint review 26 and we're on 38 now it's a different set of people because we just have new people coming in and there's more people that haven't seen and heard the thing so we have to just continue to use that to bring the message of Agile and use our soapbox moment and talk through and reminders and everything that goes along with that. So we've done that. We've also put in place a system demo where every six weeks across the portfolio, we pull everybody together and say, this is what we've built in the last six sprints. Did I say six weeks? Six sprints. Yeah, six sprints. Um, so what that does is that gives us a higher level like product demo. Yep. I, I think we stole that from SAFE. I think SAFE has a system it's demo. It's a system demo, yeah. yeah. So um, we stole parts of that, and that that seems to get a lot of attention because it's a bigger, chunkier thing, whereas every two two weeks we're, we're shipping. We're, we're always shipping, but it's less consumable for the masses. I mean, in the end, it says the results. There's yeah. nothing – you can't coach – You. it's almost like a walk of faith, and then you have to get results as soon as you can. And that's what I'm saying. You have to sort of shove that in people's faces. Now, if they're willing to to get it and receive it quickly, well, then you know, then they're coachable more quickly. Mm-hmm. If they're reluctant, then then it's it's just going to take you time. But it's the same. I think it's the same sort of activities or the same strategy. Now, you said something earlier. I do think you have to occasionally be. You're a director here, right, or a mm-hmm. senior director. You have a senior leadership role. I just you hired a director the other. I, I ran into someone you had hired as a director or something. Did you? Yeah. Hired a couple, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So yeah. you're building. You're, well, you're hiring leaders, right? So you're sort of moving upstream, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's say the CEO here, the CTO, or the COO are really causing you problems mm-hmm. uh, from an agile point of view. I, I think you have a responsibility to sit down with them and have some hard private conversations. Right. Uh, and to the point where you feel like you your job might be in jeopardy, do you know I, I mean, that's not the goal, but you you need to challenge them. You need to, depending on their behavior. Uh, let's say they pick on the teams. Let's say they berate the teams in the sprint review, mm-hmm. 
and they make the teams feel like crap. Uh, no matter how hard the teams, no, so no matter how hard the teams are working, and you know that they're working really hard, right. it's not good enough. It's never good enough. And instead of amplifying, and I know your leaders would do this, but mm-hmm. instead of amplifying the positive things, they're always nitpicking at the. It's always constructive criticism. Right. So ninety-five percent of their conversations are that, and you decide to sit down with them and say, "Stop it." It's demoralizing the teams. It's demoralizing me. It's not a real view. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to prove. Uh, it's it's not a, it's just not an effective leadership style at, at where we're at in the company. Right. I think you have to have that sort of coaching moment. Mm-hmm. I just did a blog post that talked about. I, I mean, I just literally published it a few days ago, and it was talking about having these conversations. And I think we talk ourselves out of right. having these conversations. It's because they're hard, and we're afraid of them. And you have to almost talk yourself into having those conversations and talk, you know, into the intent of it. Uh, I don't think you have to have actually be, I don't think it's a skill. So I don't have a particularly good skill as a coach. Uh, What I, I said this in the blog post, I'm a pit bull. Mm -hmm. So I will, I will have those conversations. I'm, if I'm a more, you know, if I'll ignore the danger and I'll sit down and I'll try to have those conversations. Right. And and usually the outcomes are positive, but mm-hmm. occasionally the outcomes are really terrible, Josh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I could get fired uh, as a, as a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm not a, I'm an employee, uh, but I could get you know my contract could be terminated. But I'll have those things. Right. I think folks have to have the courage. I I don't think there's a magic coaching technique i think the technique is the having those courageous they call there's a book called crucial conversations Mm -hmm. and i think i would add courageous crucial conversations i think as a coach we have to sort of be be willing to have those right yeah i the thing that has hit me a couple times along the way is we go back to the very first podcast we ever did i think the topic was was trust and trust in various directions trust in yourself, trust in the process, trust that you're doing the right thing, that when you bring that discussion or when you bring that to the discussion that, hey, we are doing the right thing, here's why, and just bringing the facts, then that's always been something I've kept in my back pocket. It's not an emotional discussion. It's just these these are the facts, putting them on the table, and 95% of the time, a rational discussion ends the way you think it should because you've got facts behind you. Right. The uh, other piece that I've used along the way when I have those moments of doubt is it's my job, right? There, there are 40 people over there right. that are relying on me to ensure that everything's going the right direction. Correct. And if I just say, Oh, well, this isn't going to go well. I'm not going to have the talk. I'm letting them down. That's what So I'm- it, it's, it's, it's like, it's exactly what you said. It is the job requirement, right? You, you have to put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, and go have the difficult discussion. And so many, I, I've seen even, co- I mean, in the story, you'll see me, t- I'm talking about in the, in the blog post, and we'll connect this to the Medicast. Mm-hmm. I, it was inspired by a coach, a coach that I that has certifications that is probably not in years of experience, but is equivalent to me. Mm-hmm. And and what was inspired is uh, the comment that they made once to say, well, I didn't – they encountered a coaching conversation, and their answer was avoidance. They're like, I don't have the energy for it. 
So I just basically nodded my head, ignored them, told them they were doing the right thing, and just left them alone. Mm-hmm. And so, so what, what they did is they avoided a coaching company. They avoided one right. of these things. And their excuse at the time was energy. Uh, and that was an honest excuse because it does take a lot of it, as you, right. as you probably know. Right, yeah. These are non-trivial conversations. They're probably not one-time conversations. They no. need follow-up. Yeah. They need they need multiple follow-up. They need uh, nurturing, et cetera. They need relationship building. They mm-hmm. need trust building. But you need to almost be relentless with these conversations over time. Right. Uh, so that requires a lot of energy and a lot of your time. And I think that's a key point is something that we came to an agreement on at my last job was we felt like we had to say things seven times before we got it to really stick. So mistakes I've made is I've gone in at I've had the conversation once and I thought it went well, but then a couple of weeks later, something went sideways. I'm like, we just talked about this, but getting, getting comfortable and patient and sticking to the process and keeping the focus because you can, you can lose focus. Other things can get in your way, but maintaining the focus of trying to continuously deliver the message until you see the behavior altered consistently. You, you nailed it. I, I, in another blog post that I linked to this, I, I talked about, one of the things I've been doing for years and years as a, as a manager, so if I had a coaching conversation with you, uh, let's say you reported to me, mm-hmm. I, would, I cannot measure the effectiveness of my conversation by the fact that I had it with you. Right. I have to look on the outbound side. You've heard me say this before. And look at your behavior. Right. And I have to then monitor your behavior. And if your behavior doesn't align with my communication, then it's not your bad. I mean, right. it could be, but it's my, I need to be a, a more effective communicator. Maybe I need to be more resilient. Maybe I need more stories. Maybe I need more examples. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need a demo, whatever I need, but I need, I need to continue. Right. I, I need to persevere with that because I have these 40 people over here to your point. I love that as a motivator, right? right. Yeah. These folks are counting on me. They're counting on you mm-hmm. to have that effective communication. Right. I use the term pitbullian or pitbullish in my blog post, and I really, I think, I think as a coach, when you're coaching upward, you have to be a pitbull. Mm-hmm. You have to be relentless. You have to be persistent. You have to be patient, uh, but you have to be persistent in pushing these things. I don't think folks get them. Uh, I, I don't think the one time, the one shot conversation or the email. Right. I, I don't think that does it. Yeah, because it often doesn't have the full context and and. And usually the things that we're trying to coach on, you need time to noodle on and think it through and, and have that return discussion. And, and what likely happens is along the way, the discussion with whoever you're trying to coach that you land somewhere in the middle that you think it's a, they think it's B and you're like at a and a half. That's a weird analogy, but you're at a and a half because you guys have differing views and opinions and you get there. The, the, the other thing that I know, um, that I've been lucky enough to avoid just cause I'm annoyingly stubborn is that oftentimes you have the discussion once and in the same manner, if it doesn't go well, that doesn't mean you throw your hands up in the air. You, you keep coming back to it. And just like you said, as a manager, you try a different angle. You, you pivot. Try something different. You pivot. Yeah. We talk about pivoting on software. We have to pivot on these communi- on right. the coaching until we hit a track that's effective. Lately, I've, I've, I glossed over it and I want to come back to training. And so I do think that training, I, I was coaching a company, a local company. I'll just say at Cisco. I was at Cisco a few years ago, and I ran, um, I ran a workshop 
and it was the Build a Brochure Workshop. I, you, yeah. And uh, there was a senior director in the room. So it was. I was doing this. It was a quick session. And he had an aha from just that. And he was, you know, we in four hours, we had a quick Agile 101. Then we did the brochure. And he was part of a team. So to his mm-hmm. credit, and it was he wasn't the only manager, but there was a lot of directors and senior leaders in the room mm-hmm. along with team members. And he participated. And when I debriefed it, he's like, he's like, I was amazed at how quickly we formed as a team. Uh, we had no clue about each other. He said, we, we had a goal. We had a backlog. We worked together. We collaborated. From my point of view, I'm just checking off like, yeah, it was an agile team, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, I, I didn't burst his bubble. But he's like, I get it. And he had an aha moment. And and he not only did he have it there, but he took it back. And I heard him inspiring his leaders to inspire their teams. Right. He had this. He had this vision. Uh, it was a little click that said he didn't. He didn't understand Scrum or Agile very deeply, but he had an inkling. And I do think as coaches or influencers, you and I, training can be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Simulations. I do this pizza game thing a right. lot. I, I get sometimes. I think we have to coax leaders to get it. I, I ran it the other day. Mary Thorne and I ran it uh, for some test leaders, the pizza game, mm-hmm. as just an exposure. So it wasn't, it's a Kanban-based game, but we were using it just to expose them to what does it feel like to be on an Agile team. Right. And then when we debriefed, we focused on how did it feel, what were some of the activities, and then we debriefed it. The second thing is what is it going to change in your leadership style? Not a, not what we're telling you to change, but, but given this different dynamic right, yeah. of working, what do you think you need to change in your leadership style? And and it was a it was a nice transformation in the leaders. So I do think simulation sometimes uh, training plus simulation can be a helpful you know aug, you know way to augment mm-hmm. coaching. Uh, you do still need open minded folks. Not everyone's yeah. going to get it. Uh, a lot of leaders don't resonate with games, so you have to pick games. Yeah, intelligent. You know, there's a lot of senior leaders. Yeah, like you have you have one hour of my time. Right, right. And if you make me play a game for 45 minutes, shame on you. I'll, right. I'll never look at you the same way again. So I think you have to be careful about how you do the gamesmanship. But it is an it is an opportunity to create aha moments. And then that's that coachable moment. Now you can come back and let you can latch on to that moment in your future coaching opportunities. You right. know what I'm saying? You go back to that aha moment as a, and as a coach, you go relatch on it, reignite their interest to that and then connect it to whatever you're trying to right. communicate to them. Yeah. I think, uh, and I know I've fallen into this trap myself it, is that I assume that there's some level of knowledge and oftentimes there, there isn't. So the first step oftentimes needs to be education to at least get folks talking the same way, using the same language, the same vocabulary, even because oftentimes there's assumption and and I've fallen into this trap before where it's agile at scrum. It just kind of makes sense, but you do have to stop and explain and get the cards on the table and get everybody at least using the right vocabulary. One of the things, and it's an adjunct to training or to these workshops and, and it's just where I'm at now, but I have what, one, two, three clients currently who are going agile and we're, we're creating what I would call agile transformation teams. Mm-hmm. So these are leadership focused teams who are a scrum team 
who are focused on creating a backlog that's the strategy to go agile. And then the team is going to have stand-ups, sprint planning, demos, mm-hmm. retrospectives. So they're going to behave like an agile team, but they're going to focus on the agile transformation strategy. Right. I'm, I'm finding that that's another thing that creates aha moments mm-hmm. that are coachable, e- even better than the workshop, because now you're they're learning by doing, uh, or and it, not learning by doing is the wrong way. It's you, you. I think you. It makes it much more coachable if folks understand not just agile, but sort of the accountability of mm-hmm. it. The they're how, walking in their shoes, right? So they how hard it right, is. Yeah, yeah. Like I had a team that they that actually. I was doing this with Velocity Partners. We were doing it remotely. I was the remote coach, Scrum Master, and we. One of our sprints, we failed, and this was this leadership transformation. And these are really senior people. Yeah. Who, who own basically all of our folks in South America. Right. And we bit off. So what did we do in one sprint? We bit off more than we could chew. Right. Guess what we did? We went down in flames. And uh, so we failed, basically. Right. We delivered some stuff, but we didn't deliver what we said. And then we had this, you know, sort of a sad demo. And then we had a sad, glad retrospective. It was a meaty retrospective. That, that created a very different mindset in the team do you know what i mean the not just at the team the mm-hmm. empathy they had uh for teams because the same thing happens with our with all of our teams so i think if you can if you can eat your own dog another coaching technique if we can create and eat your own dog food if, if you can you know if you can walk the talk mm-hmm. uh, somehow and i don't know if you're doing that here you may not be doing that here if you're not you should be doing that yeah. here create that 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 sort of transformation model or if you're doing a new roadmap or do it for roadmap generation or backlog planning or something and get everyone get the leadership team to be involved with that Mm -hmm. i I think i think i'm getting a lot more traction out of that now you get resistance Mm -hmm. from that it's like what's the one i don't have the time for this i don't have the time for daily stand-ups etc etc but if you can overcome that just to try it it's just work. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, you have to put a strategy together anyway. So if you can convince folks to sort of get into that game, I think there's learning, and that creates this more coachable. Now that's a coachable mind. Yep. Makes sense? Agree. So we, we, we actually... Can you bring us back to center? Because I feel like I've... No, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here and just kind of explain some of the things that we do. So we aren't fool agile squad with our leadership team so within the software engineering group we actually have an overhead squad which is everybody that's not basically the chickens okay right so we have an overhead squad and and um we don't do planning we have a backlog we have a weekly meeting but it would be interesting to try and put that flip on there and say well let's just do the same thing everybody else is doing and then and and then pull in kevin i know some people here or pull in lee as a product owner Get someone really, really senior as a, or minimally your C-level staff are your stakeholders. Yeah. Minimally they have to what you demo to them. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. And, and by, by demoing, they're actually in the game with you from yeah. a strategy point of view. That's what I'm, so you're trying to pull in these cross-functional. To be clear, one of, one of my clients, uh, the Scrum team is truly cross-functional. It has customer support. In fact, they pick, this is the weird, I don't know if this will stick, but the customer support VP 
is the product owner. Mm. And I thought that was of, of the transformation strategy. Right. And that doesn't – I don't know if that – I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't right. know if it's a good thing. Right. We'll see how they orchestrate. Everyone will contribute stories and we'll hammer it out on the strategy. So the ordering of the stories is our transformation strategy, what we feel was first, second, third, fourth. Right. Right. But they they took they volunteered for that. I thought it was a cool thing that, yeah. that he raised his hand and said, "I'll I'll give this a try," uh, because he's not in the quality technology product space. He but he's a but he's now a product owner. Right. And it, so so to wrap up the the other thing that we've seen real success with here at the dude is taking the agile ceremonies and bringing them up a level, yep. which is the agile donut that we talk about, yep. and to the to the product plan, to the roadmap plan, to the portfolio planning, to all of those different levels that we've had success of replicating Scrum upstream. So that's something that is an interesting try that we'll take and try and take it even further than we have and not just do the ceremonies, but do and some of the ceremonies, right? So we have the stand up, the planning and review, right? But if we go the whole way and operate like that, it's... Deliver the goods. Yeah. And then try to drive. It's not... I. It, it may sound weird, but try to inspire failure. Right. I felt like whenever I get a failure or even a really bumpy sprint, mm-hmm. I, I don't smile to the team. Usually I'm in a coach scrum master role. Right. But behind my eyes, I'm ecstatic. Right. I'm like, this because it's exactly what happens with our teams. Mm-hmm. Not everything... So, I mean, it's even harder for the teams. If you think a transformation effort is hard, right. software is 10 times right, harder yeah. than that, right? So it gives us – it just levels the playing field with understanding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if leaders can understand Agile if they don't play in the game. Do you, and So the games help, but I think actually doing, doing it with something, if you right. can get them to go through the motions and eat our dog food. Uh, eat, eat their own dog food by doing some work that way. I, I think that really creates a coachable, and it, that accelerates the agile transformation. But they also become much right. more coachable. Cool. Did I help? Did yeah. this help? From, yeah. Did this give you some ideas for yeah, coaching up? Absolutely. It's it's metacasters. It's there are no silver bullets. I mean, some folks will give you. Some coaches will come in and. They give you some razzle-dazzle or some shaking chicken bones or something. I don't know if – there's some models out there. There's some assessment models and things that help where you can assess the organizational culture. But at the end of the day, to affect change, you have to have the crucial conversations yeah. that need to be had to protect everything you're trying a- to build. Absolutely. Or to build what you're trying to build. Absolutely. And, and they're fearful conversations and they're hard conversations. And very often, if not everyone – has flipped the bit, they are dangerous. They're also dangerous conversations, but someone has to have them. Yep. Maybe a follow-up metacast that's related to this is I, I bring a shuhari if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. I did a talk a few years ago at the Agile Conference uh, bringing shuhari to leadership okay. and assessing an organization like the maturity of an organization. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a follow-up to this. I think it might. we don't have the time now to right. look at, talk about it. But maybe that's a compliment to this podcast. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good? Yeah. Are we done? I think so. So, Josh. So, Bob. Wait, I should do this. Yeah. Um, Bob, tell me how people get a hold of us. Uh, Metacasters. Uh, <laughs> hashtag Bob doesn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> did I do hashtag? I did, at least did that right. Sure. That was yeah, Sure. That was sure. So we'll go with that. Tweet, send a tweet to Hashtag Bob doesn't have a clue. <laughs> and he'll send that to Josh. 
No. no if Bob, Bob, Bob will type it out and send it to me in an envelope. In an envelope <laughs> with a stamp. And damn, those stamps are expensive nowadays, yeah, Josh. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Uh, and it might get to you in a week and a half or two weeks yeah, or something. Pretty good. That's pretty real time. So now, so Josh, you you know, let's turn this around. How do folks get a hold of us, Josh? And throw me a bone. You could have done the same way they got here and do it again. I know. Come back but to that's iTunes. Your line. I, okay, sorry. iTunes, uh, Stitcher. We're trying to get as many places as we can. Best way to contact us is via Twitter at meta hyphen cast. That's the that's the most responsive that we'll be. So if you reach out there, we'll definitely try and connect or do whatever you need, answer the question or anything, even if you need. So hopefully you've recognized that this podcast is louder than the ones have been before because we did get feedback that we weren't loud enough. So we've been trying to watch our levels, use the money we spent on the mixer to actually mix things. To actually mix it? Yeah. No. And make it make it do do what it's supposed to do. So we're experimenting a little bit. We may have a failure or two along the way. Um, we, You know what? We are... I mean, let's blow our you know tune a little bit. We are agile, Josh. Yeah, we we listen to feedback and we're constantly making adjustments. We are. I might make. I usually make the I content adjustments. The sliders right now, Bob's. See, we can't even hear Bob. Oh wait, technical. And you're the technical guy. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> I really. Wow, there's an answer. You can just shut me down. Oh wait, the. There's the mute button. With great power comes great responsibility, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it does. That's why the mixer is over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are the mix. You are the mixologist. It's something like that. So, Metacasters, yep. we we appreciate it. Get us feedback uh, and look for some different topics coming up. It's conference season mm. coming up. Uh, lots of different topics uh, engaging. I'm writing a lot. A lot mixing up my experience. My coaching is active, etc. Josh is growing here and learning a lot of stuff. This is going to be an exciting year. So look for some interesting stuff coming up. And like this Metacast, we are we, we do address feedback. I have some feedback from someone that I got face-to-face. I just have to remember it, <laughs> which is even more difficult. But we, we, will, we, we will adjust as we, we go forward. So cool. from beautiful downtown, Cary, North Carolina. I'm Bob Gamble. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.